0: good morning. Let's all stand together and let's worship our King. To God be the glory. stop as you take your attention to the screens, please.
1: We're from Westgate Memorial Baptist Church and we're just
2: going around praying for people
1: uh, I was just wondering how can we pray for you?
0: Memorial Baptist Church. We were wondering if there was anything that we could pray for you
1: about. You know, honestly, my kids are going back to school next week, and it's a little nerve-wracking. So if you could pray for that, that would be really great. All right. Do you want to pray right now? Awesome. Okay. Taylor, do this. Oh, but, you know, he passed away just a couple of years ago, and I've just been by myself ever since. Oh, and look, that's our puppy dog.
0: We have so many fears about what's on the other side of that door, don't we? But if we'll go and we'll do what God's calling us to do, he's going to bless the time that we're going to have on the 21st. So make plans now to be a part of that. Stand, find somebody you haven't talked to and greet them and let them know that God is good all the time. Amen. As you make your way back to your seats, you can be seated as we continue to worship him. again with just your voices. father your faithfulness is so amazing you are the way maker the miracle worker the promise keeper there is none like you god is for us who can be against us you Father, now as we head into the rest of this service with children's time and your message that you've given to Raymond, for our ears to hear and our hearts to listen and respond, may we we open our hearts up to the truth of what you have for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. You may be seated. And like I said in the prayer, it's children's time. So kids, come on up.
2: fooled you, didn't I? Way to go, Avery. You got it figured out. We get to sit up a little bit higher today. I'm so glad to have you guys here. Everybody find a seat? Tell me about this door. What does that door stand for? A way to go somewhere else, okay? Anybody else have an idea why that door's up here in our church? Whose fault is that? Who put this door up here? The people who built the church. The people who built the church. Well, the people who built the door. Maybe we should look at them and blame them. It's Mr. Tucker and Mr. Everett. Are they here today? See him out there? There's Mr. Everett over there. Where's Mr. Tucker? There he is right beside him. They're the ones who built this door. Why did they build the door? Nobody knows. Do your parents know, you think? Think so? Okay, what do your parents think the door's there for? Okay. Have you heard of a thing called make a different Sunday? okay do you think your parents have heard about make a difference sunday yes okay they have and do you know what we're going to do on make a difference sunday we're going to apply a very important verse it's called the golden rule have you ever heard of the golden rule okay what is the golden rule does anybody know let's all just go home and eat lunch The golden rule is, this is Jesus, and he said, do for other people what you want them to do for you. There we go. The golden rule is, Jesus said, do for other people, treat other people the way that you want them to treat you. And so on August the 21st, that's two Sundays from now, would someone like to knock on this door? Okay, let's go knock on the door. I'll stand on the other side of the door, and you knock on it, okay? You knock on that side of the door, and I'll stand on this side of the door. All right, go ahead. What do you want? <laughs> no, you're going to knock on We're going to knock on 1,000 doors on August the 21st, and we're hoping to do for the people on this side of the door what we would want somebody to do for us on that side of the door and that's to know how we can be right with God we're not there to tell people they're wrong we're there to tell them how they can be right with God that Jesus loves them so try it one more time yes what would you like to tell me about god that works for me thank you for coming by to tell me about god will you pray for me how about if i pray for you you guys all come around this door okay come over here together and we're going to pray for the people that we're going to see on august the 21st all the people that are going to open the door and even the people that don't open the door we want to pray for them too so you guys all come around real close to the door Are you ready? Let's pray together, Lord. uh, We've kind of even seen this morning how we can be shy about knocking on a door. And sometimes we feel scared. And we saw the funny video that showed us so many things that we're thinking, but we realize that as we knock on doors, we have the opportunity to do exactly what we have just seen in your word, to apply the golden rule, to do for others what we would hope they would do for us to tell us how much God loves us. I pray that you would indeed help us as a church family to move beyond our discomfort, our shyness, our insecurities. God, that we would boldly go out into the community not to try to tell people that they're wrong, but to tell them how they can be made right through Jesus Christ, to remind them of your great love for them. Help us as a people to do that obey you. This is one of your mandates to demonstrate your love to others. Thank you for these children, and I pray that they would grow up with the understanding that this is a natural thing for all Christians to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. Y'all go be seated.
0: maker doesn't mean that life goes perfectly. doesn't mean that everything's easy. You're going to have troubles and trials. So am I. But here's the thing. God can use those trials and use those troubles to grow us, to give us empathy, to give us the ability to connect with people as they're going through difficult times as well. See, God can do amazing things in using hurts in our life to be helps in somebody else's life. God can use your misery and actually make it your ministry, so that you can care for, reach out, and help somebody going through a trial and a storm, because they know you've been there, and that you can
2: relate, and you can share with them the love of Christ. I hope you're already involved in the Sunday night studies, but if you're not, you can be here this afternoon at five o'clock be a part of a group study, and we're having a great time. Thank you for allowing me to be out last week. I got to hear uh, our son-in-law speak, Michelle and I did, up in Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Uh, he was uh, the main speaker for the month of July, and so we wanted to be there to hear him preach. And it was a great time to be away, and I think that Stephen did a wonderful job, don't you? Yeah. That was his very first time to preach here at Westgate, and he did a great job, and I'm so thankful for that. Many of you have things that you're praying for, concerns, and uh, things that are troubling you. Maybe you want people to be praying for you and want to continue to pray for one another. I hope you'll look for opportunities to pray for each other along the way. Today, you can sign a quilt out in the, in the atrium. It is for Bert Brown, who is recovering from heart surgery over in Houston. If you would like to sign that, it's out in the atrium uh, after the service. So this morning, I'd like for us to kind of work together on a couple of pictures. You help me to decide which one is better. So I think we have a couple of pictures up here we're going to look at. All right, if you're going to the grocery store and you're going to buy bananas, which one would you prefer? I'm not saying that you're, you're making like banana bread, but if you're going to, how many of you would, would pick the ones on the right, the, the yellow ones? How many of you would go straight to the black bananas? Okay. Let's go to the next one. All right, so you're going to be gone for a couple of days, and so your kids need a babysitter. So which one are you preferring? Would you go with Mary Poppins, who's practically perfect in every way, or Nicolas Cage? Uh, How many with Mary Poppins? Okay, how many want the Nicolas Cage in your house? Okay, all right, let's go to the next one. All right, it's time for your family vacation. End of the summer, trying to get everything wrapped up. It's going to be probably about 3,000 to 4,000 miles in the car uh, with your kids. And so you're ready to go. Which one would you like to be taking on your road trip? The vehicle on the left or the vehicle on the right? How many go for the vehicle on the left? That's our road trip car right there. That's the one I'm looking for. Okay. How about on the right? All right. Let's see if we can do one more. Okay let's look at this one you're trying to find guidance in life you want your life to move in the right direction so would you go for the guidance of people magazine or God's word I'm not even going to ask you because I I... you know we we want to do the very best in life that we can We, we will never be perfect right never will but we want to do the best at being better makes sense right So that's why we've been looking at these mandates, and and the mandates that we're looking at today are two, and you just participated in them. When you were picking one over the other, what were you doing? We were referencing America's favorite verse, judge not, lest you be judged. You looked at those pictures and you were making a judgment, weren't you? And you didn't even realize it. You were just like, oh, it's obvious. I'll go with the yellow bananas. I'd much rather drive in the nice car. Oh, I'm going to pick Mary Poppins every time. Isn't it interesting that we make judgments every single day? We even jokingly say to people when we make a mistake or we do something that makes other people kind of smile at us, we say, don't judge me. It's a part of our culture. This virtual, virtue signaling of tolerance has caused us to feel so compelled to not disagree with anybody about anything because we fear that if we disagree, we will be judged. And ironically, the tolerance of today has led to great intolerance. Our culture is one of shaming and shunning, it's become the norm. In many ways, we've lost the ability to dialogue, and we become a culture of increasingly loud monologues. What is tolerance? It's not mandatory affirmation. It's simply the respect for differing opinions and convictions. We have a difference about the way that we look at others. See, today we're going to see that we will judge... We will judge about decisions of life and values and choices. And for us to judge doesn't mean we're becoming intolerant. So let's try to better understand what Jesus said. This verse, it really is America's favorite verse. Judge not lest you be judged. Don't judge me. Let's see what Jesus really meant in that passage. And to note that Jesus said judge not, yes, but he also said judge wisely. So let's look at a couple of these passages together. First of all, we'll look at John chapter 7, verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and you're going to have to go quickly on these, and, and I hope that you'll just, if nothing else, take a picture of the screen so you have the verses that you can look at even at greater detail later on. But 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13, a verse that we recently read, reading through the Bible. What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church, Paul said? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, so expel the wicked person from among you. So here we see a couple of different verses in which we're told, first of all, in John 7, 24, a verse that we we looked at very briefly last year as we went through the Gospel of John. But Jesus said, quit judging just by mere appearances, by the externals, by quick judgments. But instead, judge correctly. So he calls us to judge and to judge wisely and correctly. And then Paul is saying, we don't have any business as Christians of judging those outside of the world. Outside of the church. If you're outside the world, you're really gone. Outside of the church. But we are to be judging those inside of the church and not in a condemning way as we will see in the next passage of scripture that's found in Luke chapter 6 where we'll spend most of our time but we'll look at many other verses throughout the the time together. Luke chapter 6 verses 37 through 45. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we be poured out into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's pray together. God, we know that your word has incredible relevance for us. The only question is, will we embrace that relevance? We ask you would speak to us today, recognizing that the topic at hand is one that we deal with every single day. We're inundated with this whole concept of judging and not judging, and here we are trying to navigate it. Lord, would you guide us with a principle that you have given, the way that we are to not judge in one way, but we are to judge in another way. Lord help us to be receptive to your spirit and to your word more than we are receptive to the message in our land. Lead us we pray by your Holy Spirit in Christ's name we ask. Amen. When Jesus is talking about not judging he's been speaking about the religious leaders. Religious leaders are right there while he's talking. So he's not saying, don't ever make an accurate assessment as to whether it's the black bananas or the yellow bananas. He is saying, don't make condemning statements and thoughts about others. He's speaking against self-righteousness. What does self-righteousness do? It puts us in a posture of superiority, that we know better, that we are better than other people. And that's exactly what the religious leaders were doing. They were the models of the day. People looked to them as the model of of what we're supposed to be as Christians. And Jesus was saying, that is not the model to follow. Though you think it is, and though you are following after them, that is not the template. He's speaking against the critical spirit of the religious leaders and those who would follow after Christ. The word judge literally means to separate, to select, or determine. And Jesus is saying, yes, there is a place for you to select, to separate, and to determine right from wrong. But don't do it in a condemning way as to see yourself as better than someone else. We're very tempted to do that with our culture, aren't we? We look out at things that we disagree with, and we say, that's so wrong. And we can make a very wise assessment that that is wrong but we don't do it in a condemning way. You ever get frustrated with culture? Sure, we all do. Wish things were different, but you know what is happening there? We read about it, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says that the evil one has blinded the eyes of those who are not believers, so they cannot recognize the truth. So when we look out, And we see frustration in culture, people making decisions and legislation or whatever it might be. We recognize that they're simply fulfilling their job description. The burden is for us as Christians to navigate this whole concept well. Don't expect the culture to fall in line. Does that make sense? See, we want the culture to get it right. But God says, I want the culture of the church to be right. And so he gives us this mandate that we are to judge wisely, but we are not to judge in a condemning way. We're going to see a passage of Scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, that talks about the law of the harvest. Paul is writing to the church in Galatians, says, Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man re- reaps what he sows. Jesus is saying if you reap condemnation towards other people, if you sow that towards other people, you will reap condemnation coming back to you. Don't be that kind of person that sows seeds of condemnation because that will come back upon you. It happens in every area of life. We go back to Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For what measure you use, it will be measured to you. When Jesus said, judge not, that you might not be judged, he's creating a speed bump. I hate speed bumps. Do you like them? Speed bumps, they're everywhere. What do they do? They cause you to slow down. When he says, don't judge lest you be judged, he is putting down a speed bump to say, slow down, don't be quick to condemn someone else. He goes on to explain that the way that we measure out to other people, if our condemnation law, the harvest we just talked about, if we measure that out to the people, that's going to come back upon us. If you live as a very judgmental person, you will find that judgmentalism comes back your way you're a very gracious person. What happens? You will find that most people are very gracious in return. It's the law of the harvest. and As it gives a description there, Jesus is talking to a culture, a culture that is very familiar with agriculture. What would happen is, is the person that was making a sale, and this and is very different. Uh, an honest person would take what they're selling, and they would have a cloth in their lap, and they would pour what is being purchased in there. And I'm not sitting down, so I can't really do it well. But if I was sitting down, you'd have a cloth in there, and you would pour what is in there, and then you would lift up the cloth, and then you would shake it until it settles down. And then you would put more in so that you could get more in there. And then shake it, and then kind of stir it up, push it down a little bit more until it's completely filled to the brim. And Jesus said that's the kind of people that we're to be. Not stingy with generosity and love and kindness, and yes, tolerance, when we respect other people. That's what Jesus is saying. If you live like that, that will be reciprocated back to you. I think as Christians, sometimes we have a tough time with that because we want to correct those things that we see to be wrong, but we don't have to be the Holy Spirit. It is so liberating when you realize you're not the Holy Spirit, and we don't have to correct everything. We don't have to correct everybody. We have opinions about most everything, don't we? How many of you share your opinion about everything all the time? Even right now? That's the temptation As we feel like if we have an opinion, we have to share it. But we don't have to. I want to give us all a pass to say the next time you have an opinion that you think needs to be shared, pause. Maybe it doesn't need to be shared. And much of the things that happen when we're judging is simply that. Is us going too far? So we see this passage of Scripture that says we are to judge wisely, and then it tells us we are not to judge in a condemning way. Are you tracking with me in culture? Can you see how you would apply that in culture today? Our job is not to be judging outside of the church, but to be judging inside of the church that we would foster righteousness, not guilt and shame and shunning. That we would challenge each other to grow and mature and to develop and walk in righteousness. And then we're going to see here the difference between condemnation and competent compassion. Look back again at Luke chapter 6, verses 39 through 42. He told them a parable. Okay, He's saying, don't judge lest you would be judged by the same standard that you judge. Be very gracious like the merchant who fills up the cloth to the very top in generosity. And then he says, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Jesus is saying, don't go off like a blind person because it won't help anybody. Become like the teacher, Christ our Lord. Then he references back, and we don't know if this is is Luke recording what what was the, the Sermon on the Mount or this is Jesus speaking at a different time in a different place with very similar material and he says why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye pay no attention to the plank in your own eye now you guys we don't get that in our culture but that was a joke Jesus was using a hyperbole to describe something that would have made everybody in the congregation laugh so would you just laugh just a little bit kind of wake you up a little bit you know Jesus is saying, can you imagine this guy that's got this big? And this would be a rafter of a house. So when you're thinking about a plank, how big is that? You think about a rafter in your house, big old log beam stuck in his eye. And Jesus is saying, can you imagine this? A guy with a rafter in his eye trying to point out a speck in someone else's eye. He says, how can you say to your brother brother let me take the speck out of your eye and again they would have laughed there we go when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye it's just insanity it's kind of like our culture isn't it it's insanity of watching this guy try to pull out a speck in someone else's eye when he's got a beam in his own eye and he says you hypocrite and then listen to this important statement this is one that we so oftentimes miss first Take the plank out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He doesn't say, don't be concerned about the speck in your brother's eye. But be concerned about the plank in your eye first so that you can have competent, compassion you may want to write that word down because we talk about compassion all the time but it's not necessarily competent compassion it doesn't really help I read a very interesting uh, article when we were uh, down in Cancun for my niece's wedding and we were trying to be very gracious to the housekeeper and they would come by and they would say uh, we're here to clean your room And Michelle and I were saying, that's ridiculous. We can make our own bed. We can take care of things here. And so we would say, no, no, no. I want to give you some time off. And while we were there, I read an article that described how that was hurting the house cleaning industry by people thinking they're helping them was actually hurting them because they weren't getting enough hours, and if they weren't cleaning a room on a regular basis, then the room would get really dirty, and it would make it more difficult for them later. You see, sometimes we have the best of intentions thinking that we're helping someone, and we're not. So it's not just compassion, it's competent compassion, the right kind of compassion for that experience we don't often see that because we have blind spots do you know uh, Bill Russell passed away last week on July the 31st he was a hall of fame basketball player won 11 NBA titles to put that in perspective Tom Brady will have to win four more Super Bowls just to catch up unbelievable after his illustrious career he went into being a sports commentator on television In one particular series, he was talking about the Knicks and the Lakers. They were playing each other. He was a neutral sports commentator, highlighting the game, talking about the game as they went through that particular series. After the series, he received two letters from very irate fans. One was a Lakers fan who sent a letter asking why he hated the Lakers so much he also received a letter from a Knicks fan asking him why he hated the Knicks so much. Here he was calling a basketball game. One side says, you hate our team. The other side says, you hate our team. So in a moment of inspiration, he decided what he would do. He took out two envelopes and he sent the Lakers irate letter to the Knicks fan And sent the irate Nick's letter to the Lakers fan. That's just a reminder that it's so easy for us when we sit in the seat of judgment to not see things clearly. Look at John chapter 8, verse 11. Perfect example of that. That's where Jesus has been dealing with these self righteous, judgmental religious leaders who brought a woman who was caught, it says, in the very act of adultery, brought her to Jesus and asked his permission to go ahead and stone her. And we recall the story, well, in which Jesus said, if the man with the, without any sin, you'd be the first one to throw the stone. And they all disappeared. And there he is standing there with this woman. And he asked, does anybody condemn you? judge you and she said no and then listen to the response that we see in John chapter 8 verse 11 neither do I condemn you go now and leave your life of sin we love the first part I don't condemn you and that's not competent compassion competent compassion is taking it to the next step to say I don't condemn you now I encourage you to leave your life of sin how compassionate would Jesus have been if he said go back to what you've been doing it seems to be serving you well it's not true and we live in a time in which inside and outside of the church the conversation is don't condemn me. End of sentence. And Jesus shows competent compassion by saying, this life is killing you. It almost literally killed you today. Leave it so you can experience life as God intended. Friends, let me make a statement. Having your feelings hurt is not the worst thing in life. Having your feelings hurt is not the worst thing in life. Did that woman have her feelings hurt? Maybe. And we live in a time which we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so we never get to the competent compassion. We just demonstrate general compassion. It's so important for us to believe that we must be competent in our compassion. So when you're judging we're called to judge. You still with me? You still with me? When you see in Scripture that we are called to judge and not to judge, we understand that the not judging means that we don't do a condemning, self-righteous, superior stance. But we are called to judge the culture of the church, and when we do so, apply the golden rule the one that we talked about earlier you you bump up just a couple of verses previously in Luke chapter 6 verse 31 Jesus said do to others as you would have them do to you so as you look at someone that maybe is stumbling in a way that you think you could help them do for them the way that you would want them to do for you because the problem is we tend to judge others and justify ourselves Have you ever been driving down the road behind someone that is going very slowly? What are they? A moron. (laughs) Have you ever been driving and somebody flies by you driving extremely fast and what are they? They're an idiot. So we have the moron and the idiot. But then one day we're running late. And we're not an idiot for driving by everybody. We're just justifying that we're late. So we judge others and we justify ourselves. And so what Jesus is saying here is apply the golden rule, do for others as you would have them do for you. So the guy flies by, he must be late. Pray for him. Classic example of this was David when he was confronted by Nathan after his experience with Bathsheba and after he had killed Uriah. And Nathan nuts out this story about this guy who has his sheep and somebody comes and takes his sheep. The rich guy comes and takes his sheep and kills him. And then David is furious. He sees the fault in this other guy, but not in himself until Nathan says, you're the guy. You're the guy. What status do you desire most in court? If, if you go to court because something has happened to you, what's the status that you desire? Innocent until proven guilty. And so extend that same status to other people. Look back at the parable that we find in Luke chapter 18, verses 11 through 14 of the Pharisee and the publican. And the, and the Pharisee is just, just downgrading the tax collector as he prays to God revealing his judgmental thoughts about how much better he is than this other person and jesus says don't do that none of us would want that john chapter 3 verse 17 for god did not send his wor- his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him our calling is not to condemn people but to tell people about christ what do we need We need to judge ourselves personally and as a body of Christ. And when we are where we need to be, we will be much more effective at sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're most most like Christ when we look back to John 3.17. 3.16, we know that God sent his son into the world because he loved us so much that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life, didn't come to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Friends, we don't need to be the people that are out there trying to condemn everybody. We need to be the people out there trying to save everybody through the grace of Christ. Why? Because God loves us. He loves you and he loves the people on the other side of that door. God loves us all. He's created us to have a relationship with him. And if you've been a, a believer long enough or in church long enough, you know that the problem that we have as explained in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is quite simple. Our sin has separated us from God. It has put us on the other side of the door, locked, sealed, permanently separated from God. But only Christ can make us right with God. But the beauty is, not only does he make us right with God, he makes us right for all of eternity. We can be changed. We can be changed into what God wants us to be. So if you've never received Christ, I want to encourage you to join me as we pray here in just a moment. And and as believers, do any of you struggle with the idea of judging? Do any of you struggle with the culture in which you get so angry that you become posturized as being superior to others outside of the kingdom? When we do that, we're in a very dangerous spot we lose compassion for them. We don't have interest in sharing the gospel with them. We just want them to get out of our way. And God is calling us today as a church to be reminded we do have a responsibility to judge our own behavior and the behavior of other believers so that we would be righteous and moving in the direction that we need to. But we're not tasked with the responsibility of judging the culture and judging the world. Let's pray together father thank you for the mandates that you have given us these compassionate guardrails that are given to guide us in the ways that we need to go lord we recognize even today some things that have been said have made us feel uncomfortable maybe even caused us to disagree help us to vet it out through scripture not through our own opinions not through what we hear on television or read in social media father for us to be honest with what your word tells us to do god may we not be a people of condemnation but a people of conviction that want to go out and share the good news of jesus christ who is calm not to condemn but to save the world lord we recognize there may be some in this congregation today or listening online that have never received you as lord and savior it's the greatest need of their life might they recognize that need And make the judgment that they need Christ more than anything else. And today, pray a prayer similar to this. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have. And I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Father, how we pray for anyone that might have prayed to receive christ in that moment and lord how we pray for us as followers of christ is our heart in such a way that we want that for other people more than anything else lead us to that point we pray in christ's name we ask amen i think most of you know the drill if you have a commitment a decision prayer request i'll be standing at the cross we'll be having several deacons standing in each one of these aisles and guys if you could help us out as deacons our august triad uh, isn't completely here so if you see an empty aisle as a deacon you just fill it in and make sure you're there to pray with people so that they can go to the back where they're comfortable to pray you may want to go back and say you know i think i've 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 been maybe a little bit judgmental and i just asked you would pray with me that my heart would be made right maybe there's another need in your life that you just want someone to pray with you about Also, if you make a decision today to say, I want to become a Christian. I prayed that prayer. I'd like to pray that prayer. I'd like to follow Christ. You can talk to one of those guys. You can talk to me at the the cross. You can meet us at the Connection Center after the service just by filling out one of these communication cards. Just meet us there. Maybe God is calling you into vocational ministry. I know I'm taking a little bit longer than, hey, my son-in-law preached uh, for 59 minutes, so hey. Maybe God's calling you into vocational ministry. You say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm already engaged in other things. But you know, one of the things that we're losing in our culture is people going into vocational ministry because they're off doing other things. And that's not bad. God's called all of us. If, if God's called you to where you are, you go there. But maybe God is working in our midst of calling somebody out. Maybe to be a pastor. Maybe be a missionary. Maybe to be a Bible translator for another language. Maybe to minister in a way that we typically don't think. So if God's leading you in that direction, we'd love to pray with you as well. You're a wonderful congregation. Thanks for listening to me all these many years for such a long time. I love you very much. Let's stand and worship together.